0: Lord God, what a wonderful name it is, your name, Jesus. What a powerful name it is, your name, Jesus. What, how beautiful you are, God, as we come to worship you and bow down to you, but just dwell in your love, God. We're blessed with that. And now as we open your word, Lord, our Bibles, God, we ask that you would bless, anoint it, speak to us, God. Lord, just continue to minister to our hearts, Lord. Heal us, free us, help us, God. Lord, give hope, Lord, and God, most of all, Lord, may we just have, Lord, a meeting with you right now, to be with you. God, I pray that you take away all the distractions, all the things in our minds, Lord, that we may not be a Martha, but be the Mary who sat at your feet and just drank in everything you were saying. So we ask the same right now, bless your word in that way and anoint it, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Hey, years ago, the American Egg Board promoted eating eggs as good. It was a good source of nutrition, and they had this slogan. They had this slogan that went, the incredible edible egg. Well, everyone got ecstatic. I heard some laughs. I'm not done yet, though. Unfortunately, in 1977, the government started recommending that low-fat, low-cholesterol diet was more healthy. So eggs were marked at that time as unhealthy. In other words, eggs were bad. So breakfast changed because they were egg But then in 2013, around there, 2015, 2013, the American Heart Association and the US dietary uh, guidelines had changed. Listen to this, along with a study in 2018 that showed that, I quote, dietary cholesterol was not a nutrient of concern. So, in other words, eating eggs was officially good again. Of course, the chicken farmers got real excited. <laughs> Yeah, right on, yeah. Now, just three years ago, now this is crazy, right? Eggs were good, eggs were bad, eggs were good. But just like three years ago, in the Journal of American Medical Association, they flipped all this, what was recently done, uh, saying eating an egg a day is linked to a higher risk of heart disease after all. So look at this now. Eggs were bad once again. I don't know about you, this is all too exasperating. Yeah, all right. I'm getting you guys, right? So isn't that interesting, right? Throughout my lifetime, at least, we see eggs good, eggs bad, eggs good, eggs bad again. I mean, what is going on here? I mean, is it good for you or is it not? I mean, what are the experts saying? Why why do they keep flip flopping? What's going on? What is the truth, right, about eggs? One article answered uh, in in their their title, of the article it, it said, um, "Eggs, it's complicated." It's like okay, yeah, that's an answer. Another article said, "Experts can't experts sorry experts can't agree." Isn't that crazy? So it's good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. Could you imagine if God did that? If God took some truth? And first it's no, this is good, this is it. Then all of a sudden he flips and say, oh no, no, it's really bad for you. Don't, don't, don't do that. And then he flips, no, it you know what? I thought about it and I think it's really okay. I mean, what if, you know, like the experts don't agree? What if the Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ the Son couldn't agree on some truth in the Bible? I think the whole universe would explode i i I really think it'd be crazy but you know what we know we know the truth of god is solid isn't it god's word is solid It, it doesn't waver back and forth it doesn't change through the years no the bible god's word is lasting truth Martin Luther once said, the word of God is perfect, it is precious and pure, it is truth itself. Our source of truth today is this very book that we're holding in our hands, or if you have it on your phone. This is the source of truth. It's God's truth, and it doesn't change, it lasts, and we're going to see today, it lasts forever. As we return to our verse-by-verse study in the book of 1 Peter, we find this Focus. This focus on the unchanging, unwavering truth of God in his word. And and understand that our salvation, our life with God today, if you're a believer, is all based on this truth. It's all based on the enduring word. And that's the title of our message this morning the enduring word, the enduring word. Now we're going to be studying First Peter chapter 1. We're going to back up a little bit from last week, but the second part of verse 23 to verse 25, we're going to actually finish this chapter today. Now in, the, in these few verses we're going to be looking at, we're going to see three things, and this really wraps up into our points. And so our headings here this morning is this. Number one, the quote-unquote go-to for life, that's the enduring word. Number two, we're going to see the guarantee from God that it is the enduring word. And number three, we're going to find if this is true, then the gospel is true. So that's our outline, the goal for life, the guarantee from God, and the gospel is true. So let's begin here. Number one in our outline, if you're taking notes, the quote-unquote goal to for life, the goal to for life. And as I mentioned, we're going to back up a little bit. I know we, we covered this last week, uh, the end of verse 23, and I mentioned that we're, we're like overlapping here, we're kind of connecting here. So we're going to back up just a little bit to the last part of verse 23. And so let's take a look at that right here. Right now, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, the last part of it says, Through the living and abiding word of God. We're going to stop here. Now we begin this morning, mid-verse. We begin with Peter writing how through, basically, the word, the word of God, believers, if you remember last week, have been, the first part of verse 3, born again. We've been born again again remember believers are new creations second corinthians 5:17 you remember we're we're new people now we're new a new person when we come to Christ the holy spirit comes regenerates us frees us from the bondage of our sinful flesh and we become this new person god makes us into this new person so we can live for him and in particular in our passage last week it was all about the mission to love that was the title last week the mission to love and we learned that we now have the capacity, because we're believers, we've been freed from our own sinful self, that we're new creation. We have the capacity to actually love unconditionally, love like how God loves us. And we, he's, he gave us the command. Remember our outline last week was the capacity, the command to love one another, the character we are to love fervently, right? Stretch to the limit, go for it, go all the way, go all out in loving one another. And last... Heading was the consistency. We need to be consistent with who we are now, being born-again believers, being believers who are a new person, having this capacity, hearing the command, and being able to even love uh, in that character with a fervent love. So all this is done through the Word of God. All this has happened. Our salvation, the ability to love is through our salvation, and that came through the word. And that's what Peter's really starting to, or or putting into this, and what we're starting to get into. Remember Romans 10 chapter 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing the word of Christ. So we, we hear the word, we see the word, we hear it, we put our faith in it, and then we're safe in the truth of that. So here's Peter. We're starting out. Okay, it's through the word. And so this word. Peter describes it with two words. And the first word we see here in verse 23, once again, through the living word of God. Now, that means the word of God is alive. It's not dead. Yeah, Listen, it, the word of God otherwise known as the scriptures, otherwise known as our Bibles, the Bible, it's not just some collection of words yeah, from some ancient writers. It's not this ancient book from long ago, dead writer, guys, you know. No, it's actually alive. It's actually dynamic. It, it actually speaks to us today. You know why? Because it addresses issues that we live through every day. It 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 actually speaks of things that maybe we're going through, what we need, or what explain things about us, about God, what's happening right now today. So that means God's word is alive; it's living, and of course, God is alive, so His word is living too. So, here's the idea: when Peter says the word of God is living here in verse twenty three, it means the Bible is. Relevant for today. That's the key word. The Bible is relevant for today. An old Christian author, Arthur S. Wood wrote, scratch the surface of the scripture wherever you wish and you will uncover a slice of life. I like that. I like that. So the word of God is living. It's relevant for today. It's not just some dead ancient kind of book. There's a second word that Peter describes the word of God, and that is the abiding word of God, through the abiding word of God. Now, the original language here in the New Testament is Greek, and the Greek word here is meno. And the word meno speaks of this, a state it, it's in. It's a state of remaining, and it's a state that's perpetual it, it endures forever, and that's why I chose the title this morning, The Enduring Word. It, it, it also uh, really brings in this absolute sense of that, that it's there, it's always there, it's forever, it's eternal. And so Peter's saying, look, the Bible is the eternal truth. And I would say it's the absolute truth of God. It's the enduring word of God. The idea is the word of God, think about this, transcends time, yeah? It transcends cultures. It, it, it transcends countries, languages. The, the Bible that we have today, it never gets old. It never gets stale. It's not, never outdated or obsolete at all. It's, think about how the word of God was relevant for Israel in the wilderness. But it was also relevant for King David right Uh, hundreds of years later and it's relevant for us here today that's because it's abiding that's because it's eternal that's because it's the absolute truth so this is what i want to put in your minds then the enduring word is our go-to yeah it's our go-to for everything in life. The Bible speaks directly to, to our needs, what, what, what we need and help from God. It, it, it convicts our hearts. The Bible convicts our hearts about our sin. It, it runs after us when we're wayward. It, it, it applies to every single situation, every need, every hurt, and even every joy that we have. It's all right here. Everything in life right here is in your Bible. So here's the point. Your Bible is the living word of God and the go-to for everything in your life. The, your Bible is the living word of God and the go-to for everything in your life. In my office, um, I have this old Casio keyboard. Um, Jared, this is my son Jared. Jared had bought a long time ago when he was young with some birthday money and. And, and uh, the other day, a while back, um, they come in and play with it and turn it on and play, you know. But little Riley, our granddaughter, was playing on it, and she found this button, and she pushed this button and out popped this floppy disk. If you know what that is, then you're old. No, just, just joking, yeah. Uh, she promptly brought it to me, and I kind of laughed thinking, what am I going to do with this? I don't have anything to read it, right? I mean, I remember in the day that was it, operating systems were on there, you know, it's like this this was like our hard drive, you know, what am I going to do? You know, I mean, who uses floppy disk anymore? Nobody. <laughs> no one, right? Well, the it's obsolete. Well, the Bible is not obsolete. It's not like that. It it's alive. It's living. It it, it abides. It's eternal. It endures because this is the absolute truth. This is the truth of God. This is not some ancient manuscript that's of no use anymore, that it's out of date. No, we know this is the powerful word of God. I want you to turn to the left. Turn over a couple of books to Hebrews to chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Turn to the left. Hebrews chapter 4. And I want you to look at verse 12 for a second. Hebrews chapter 12. Just uh, go to one book, James. The next book is Hebrews. And look at verse 12. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living, there's that word again, and active. Yeah, It's moving. It, it does things. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of, a, of spirit, of joints and all ...marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The writer of Hebrews, poetically, is talking about how the the word of God cuts the deepest. It goes the deepest, into the deepest recesses of of our lives, of our soul, of our spirit. It goes into the very essence of us as human beings. It it speaks to those areas. And where it seems impossible... Even to, and poetically, it's talking about even the hard bone it can cut through. It can get to the marrow of that soft marrow in the bone. So the Word of God, like surgically and strategically, can go where no old knife can go and speak to our hearts and address our needs and, 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 and help us with our, our, our sin and our, 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 what we, our salvation. That's what he's saying. This is the Word of God, and this is explained today. Today, Now, how can that be? How can this book, how can what was written here help us in that way? How can it be be alive in that way where God uses that to speak to us? Well, in 2 Timothy 3.16, you guys know this, right? All scripture is inspired by God. The ESV actually puts it as breathed out, which is the literal translation of that. It's breathed out. In other words, God has communicated his truth right here through the scriptures that we have. The the Holy Spirit will speak to us. Maybe you'll hear God speaking to you, convict you through a sermon or a song or a prayer. But you know what the number one way is? Right here in this book. The number one way that God speaks to us is right here. I believe God put it together in a book so it would be objective. You know, we can, we can eat, have pizza late at night and then think kind of crazy things, right? But here, black and white on pieces of paper, in words, outside of ourselves is God's truth. And that's why he gave it to us this way. So we can look to this and say, oh, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, is it true? Oh, well, it doesn't say in the Lord, in the, in the word of God. So we can filter things out in that way. And that's why here at Calvary Chapel, we study the Word of God. We go through books, book by book, verses by, verse by verse, so we can understand the Word of God. You know, my passion is that you would understand the passage we're in today, and you can go home and read it and say, okay, I understand. And if you can connect to the Word of God, you know what? You can connect to God yourself. You don't need me. You don't need me. You have the Word right here. This is how God speaks to you, So, get into the word. If you haven't been, this is a, an important message. It, God is saying, hey, look, this is the enduring word. This is your go-to in life. What do you go to when you have problems? Do you go to another book? Do you turn on some YouTube person on there or something? You know, it should be this because God created us. God created this world. God created how we function and he knows exactly how to help us in our time of need. Do you believe that the Bible is God's Word? Then go to it. Do you believe that that the Bible can speak to us today? Then why don't you go to it? Do you believe that His promises are true? Then go here. Pick it up. Learn it. Learn why they're true. Do you believe the principles that we find the biblical principles from God, do you believe that that is the right thing to do? Then we need to learn that even more in detail. Remember, God's not dead, right? He's surely alive. He's living on the inside, not roaring like a lion. God's not dead, right? He's alive. We understand that. And so that means this book is alive. And this book we have in our hands is relevant today. Just as it was for the ancient people 100 years ago, yesterday, last year, 10 years ago. It's relevant today for you and I. So get into the Word. All right, so number one, the go-to for life. Let's go to number two in our outline. The guarantee from God. The guarantee from God. So we look at our Bibles. Let's start looking at them differently, reverently, preciously. And we can because God is going to give us a guarantee here. Uh, We're going to be covering verse 24 through 25, just the first part of 25, the first part of 25. But first of all, let's take a look at verse 24. For all flesh is like grass. In all its glory, like the flower of grass, the grass withers and the flower fails. Let's stop right there. Now Peter goes on, the writer of this book, and he goes on to support all this. Everything that he's been talking about, um, especially about the word of God and how important that is in our lives, that it's the enduring word. So he supports this by basically quoting Isaiah Forty verses six through eight. He skips a little part of verse seven, but but basically he's quoting. It's like when I give you scripture to support some things I'm saying. He he's supporting it from the Old Testament, which is what he knows. So. This is really taken from Isaiah 40, and he begins, and he says, For all flesh is like grass. When he's talking about the flesh, he's talking about human beings. And so he's saying people, all these human beings, were like grass. Now, typically in the Middle East, he's probably, you know, looking at or thinking about, picturing this, 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 this field, you know, with this grass all over on the countryside. And so he's saying, you know, human beings are like this grass, And he also, uh, in quoting Isaiah, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. So it's like those flowers popping up in the grass and making the field beautiful. So the glory there, he's talking about the beauty of that field with the flowers and the grass, how wonderful it looked. I was thinking about, remember when the island had all the cane fields, you know, all the cane and stuff? and, And it was so beautiful, just swaying in the wind. And um, we're just excited about the, the farm, you know, and all the that it's going to grow, and all the trees will start looking green again. But there was nothing like when the cane fields were there. So Peter's saying, "Look, all flesh, all human beings—it's like, you know, this beautiful grass, this beautiful field. Uh, the 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 human, everything you know that humans do, their their attainments, their." Uh, attainments the accomplishments uh, things they say everything it's it's wonderful it's beautiful but he says it but it's really just temporary it's really just temporary why because if you go on in isaiah chapter 40 as he quotes he says the grass withers and a flower fades." right so the grass will wither it'll dry up you can look at our lawn because we can't water right we're in the drop it dies. The flower fades. It wilts and dies. Eventually, flowers I buy my wife, and it, it's like this, then it goes, you know, right? And you throw it out. So it's only temporary. So you, this is what he's trying to put forth. Eventually all uh, human existence, eventually everything that the human being has done, uh, all its attainments, and let me add this to you. Let me add this to this. Is that even human thinking, the human wisdom, human philosophies and beliefs, all the things outside of God's truth, they're going to wither away. It's going to pass. It's, it's temporary. I think about how in Ephesians 4.14 where the Apostle Paul wrote, "...so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in de- deceitful schemes." And I think about there's, there's so many ideas and philosophies that we come up with. And some of them, oh, yeah, it kind of makes sense. But Paul's talking about these false teachers who come in and try convincingly say, no, this is really the way to God. Or, no, 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 you got to go back to Judaizers. Yeah, you got to go back to the sacrifices and also believe in Jesus. you got to do some works. You've you got to say a special prayer and also have Jesus. And so this is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 4.14. about every, you want, Don't be tossed back and forth like, is this true? Is that true? Eggs good? Eggs bad? What? Are they good? You know, that kind of thing with every wind of doctrine about eggs. You know, it's not about eggs, but you know what I'm saying, right? So in that sense, in this human philosophy, thinking, and beliefs, and things, and, and even the attainments, maybe there's some great religions that have grown up in that way, and I'm just applying it that way. You know, Peter's like, well, that's what people are. That's what us human beings are. It's, it's only temporary. It's going to pass away. It's going to wilt. But then look what he says in verse 25. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And we'll stop there. Isn't that great? He finishes quoting Isaiah 40 by saying, the word of the Lord remains. That word remains is the same Greek word, meno, that we, uh, was translated abiding in, our, in the ESV here. It remains. It's enduring. It's this absolute truth. The word of the Lord is eternal. The word of the Lord is, is it, going to last no matter what. It's not going to change like good and bad and good eggs. This here, right here, what you're reading in verse 25, but the word of the Lord remains forever. You know, it's like that label, you know, on your products that say guarantee. This is the Lord saying for your Bible, your Bible is guaranteed to be the truth, to be the absolute truth it will stand the test of time it will go through different cultures and ages and no matter what happens in world history the word of God is going to stand true it's truth it's principles everything is going to out uh, last any other book any other writing any other document in the whole world because this is God's word You know your Bible here, and here's some little Bible facts. Your Bible here contains a total of 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And um, we have a few of these left, but on the back table. uh, We put this out years ago. It says, Why Trust the Bible? And um, um, uh, Jared helped me put this all together. And, And there's some neat little facts in here. But just a few things to put out to you this morning is that your Bible that you're holding, this Bible is written like over, thir- uh, uh, over a 1,300-year span. So it wasn't like all at one time, but over a 1,300-year span. And that was around 1400 B.C. to 80 A.D. or some say 100 A.D. So somewhere around there. Now, think about this. Your Bible that you hold in here is authored also by over 40 different writers. It's not just one person, but over 40 different writers, over 1,300 years, and also it's in three different languages. It was originally written, the Old Testament Hebrew, uh, parts of the New Testament Aramaic, and primarily Greek was the original language it was written in. So think about how crazy that is that that all the authors here who wrote the different books if it, it's put together in our Bibles, and when we read it, it's like, wow, it's it's one. They're united. There's unity and truth in here, and now over the 1300 years, and it all comes together. I mean, it, 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 it's 66 different books, but it's actually one book by God, right? Written through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Second Peter chapter one verse 20-21. But isn't that incredible? are all these years. Our Bibles, and, and we 've we've studied a Bible, right? We took 16 years and studied the whole Bible. we got through it, and it, it wasn 't disjointed. it wasn't a clash of opinions of something's good, something's bad, something, no, I want it, I think it 's good, no, I think it's bad. It's all one in unity over 40 different authors, 1,300 years. Isn't that amazing? You know why? Because it 's God 's book, right? God did it. God is eternal. Human beings might go and come, but the Holy Spirit, who is God, the Holy Spirit who inspired them, he kept that that flow of unity of truth. This is God's book, you guys. Now, I don't know if you know this, that the accuracy of um, any ancient document goes by the comparison of the other documents and the number of copies that out there. And I want you to know that the Bible by far exceeds any other ancient document. Uh, in here we put, let me see if I could find it. Um, well, for, first of all, like the New Testament was written between 50 and 100 AD. The closest manuscript to that, the a copy of, of the original um, was written in 130 AD, which is only a 30-year gap. Uh, there's 5,800 ancient Greek manuscripts in the original language, 18,000 ancient manuscripts in the ancient language, dating back to the fifth century, such as Slavic, Syriac, Old Latin, Ethiopian. In other words, the the, the the translations of the New Testament, they're like that's like. 23,000, you know, copies in that way. Let me compare to Homer's Iliad, another ancient document, uh, the story of the Trojan War. That was written in 800 B.C. The closest manuscript is 400 B.C. And for me, I thought, well, no, no, that, that, there could be some, you know, little mistakes there and could have changed some things. There, The Homer's Iliad, there is 1,800 Copies uh, of that today, only eighteen hundred. But the New Testament, what what I say, fifty eight hundred. The Old Testament, there's over forty two thousand manuscripts and scrolls. So if so, if you really want to answer the question, is the Bible valid? Is it is it accurate? By far, it's the most accurate invalid ancient document book that we have today who who did that god god did that in 1946 the dead sea scrolls were discovered in the caves and they are dated back to 2050 bc and when they compared the, the, the scrolls like of Isaiah that were in the cisterns that they found, and you compare it to our translations today, they're the same. That's the Lord. God has kept our Bibles together throughout all the centuries. So you see, in, back in Peter, it, when he says, but the word of the Lord remains forever, that's the guarantee, you guys. So you guys, this truth is guaranteed. It's not going to change. So here's the point. This is the guarantee from God that your Bible is the absolute eternal truth of God. This is the guarantee from God that your Bible is the absolute eternal truth of God. Last month, I was reading an article a school board in North Dakota voted to stop reciting the Pledge of Allegiance uh, there at their biweekly school um, meetings. Because of two words in the Pledge of Allegiance, you can guess, under God, under God. And so they went, we're not going to do that anymore. But they still said, well, we're, we're still going to make a statement about our pledge to the country. And we're going to change that to one nation under us. Crazy. You know, all this we've been seeing in our society and in the news today, it, it just goes with this change that's going on. A Barna survey recently said that Gen Z, which is those, researchers say, born between 1990 and 2010, hold to this. And I quote, what is morally right or wrong depends on what an individual believes. Now, I don't know if you heard this term, but this is what is called moral relativism. Moral relativism. Uh, You know, there's no absolute truth on what is right and wrong. Every individual decides on, on what that is. And, and so that means every person can make their standard of what is right, what is wrong, what is true, what is not, good or bad, you know. You determine that. There's no outside authority. There's, there's no truth to measure against. You basically make your own standard. That's moral relative. Activism. That's what we're seeing here today. That's what we're seeing in laws, in contentions. This, so, so now society, right? People have got that. So now our society, a lot of people are, are now embracing that. And so now a group, right, of people, whether lawmakers or or. If you vote, everyone votes a certain way. A group of people decides what goes, what is right, what is wrong. What is, what is a life, right? What is not a life, a baby? It's no longer a standard or anything. It's now a group of people. They decide what goes. And you know what? Everyone who doesn't go along is marked as bad, extreme, crazy. Because you're not going along with us we've decided that this is right wrong this is truth this is not truth society now pushes you know what really the other problem today is personal freedom yeah i can do what i want when i want there's no rules just my rules yeah right my body my choice right and then that flows into everything that they do everything in life this becomes the new Standard, the moral character. And so there is no absolute truth. There's another word that researchers and pastors and theologians throw around, and and that is postmodernism. Postmodernism. Now, modernism is, is the seeking for truth. And we were in an age of that. Scientists want to seek for truth in a sense, well, we, we're not sure of the Bible, but we're going to look in, you know, in, in, the, in science and in the world and everything. So there was, there was, a, there was a, a real pursuit of that. And as Christians, we, we, we pursued the truth. Right? I tell you guys, Acts 17, 11, be a good Berean. Right? The Bereans in that town of Berea, when Paul came to teach them the scriptures, they went back to the scriptures to see if that was true. I mean, that's what we should be doing, right? Seeking truth and finding out what is really true. Well, postmodernism is that there is no truth. There is no absolute truth there. So this is the world we live in. This is our society. That's why you, you see some crazy things. I mean, for example, like you might have come across people and said, well, I, I, I think it's okay to lie. As long as it benefits me or benefits someone, I mean, it's kind of like the, the, the end justifies the means kind of thing. But it's okay. And in my truth, in, in my moral uh, standard I have, it's okay because it, there is no real absolute, but this is my truth, so it's okay. But the question is, what does God think, right? How do we know? It's right here in the Bible, right? I think what we're seeing is what was written in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Isn't that what's happening? It's all flipped around. What what, what we say is good, what's right, what the Bible says, no, that's bad, that's evil. No, this this that, that's not right. Be aware, you guys, don't get sucked into this society today because I see believers getting sucked into this. Postmodernism, believers, Christians. Uh, if you're here Wednesday or, or logged on Wednesday or you can catch it again, I, I gave you some, some crazy statistics of evangelicals in our country. How, how, how oh, you can, you can get to heaven by good works. I mean, just crazy kind of stuff. So believers, we're, even believers today are getting sucked into these things and putting together their own reality, their own truth, creating your own truth. Because you know what? As human beings, we want to see things as we want to see them, right? And we, want, we, don't, we don't want to be shamed about it. So we're going to, no, this is right. This is true. But remember... The word of God will endure forever, right? It endures. This is the lasting word. All this crazy ideas, it's going to fade. It's going to wither and die. But what's going to stand forever is the word of God. So hold on to this. No matter how hard it gets in our world, hold on to this. No matter, you you may be pointed out, you, you, you maybe someone will get hostile against you but you know this is the truth of God and you hold on to those things because this is what will endure this is the enduring word. All right well we see number one the go-to for life number two the guarantee from God and now number three in our outline the gospel is true the gospel is true now this is the last part of verse 25. And it says here, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. So this we're going to close this chapter and this is the last part of our, um, our message today. And so Peter says that this word, now the, the word for word here in the Greek is actually the word rima, R-H-E-M-A, rima. And... It, is, it really means a specific statement from the word. Earlier in verse 25 when it says the word of the Lord remains forever, the word therefore word is actually logos, which means scriptures, the Bible, everything. But here, Peter actually uses a different word and says this word, and he specifically says that because this statement, and then he explains is the good news. What's the good news? The gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, made atonement for our sins that we could not do. And through him and believing in him, we can be forgiven of our sins and be made right with God, and we could go to heaven. That's our future. And Jesus rose again from the dead. He conquered sin and death. And he can give new life in that way. So that's basically the gospel. So Peter's saying that truth has been preached now to you guys. So here's what he's saying. And this is our last point. As the word is the absolute truth of God, so the gospel is true also. And we need to know that. We need to hold on to those truths. We can stray from that. We can, we can stray from self-condemnation in that. We can stray and start thinking, well, if I say this, this prayer in the morning and read my Bible, then I'm going to be good with God. No, that's wandering away from this truth. You're already accepted in the Lord because of Christ's not. Ephesians 2, 2, 8 and 9, right? For saved by grace through faith, right? by grace through faith, not of not any works that you've done, not anything of yourself, but simply by we, what we're believing in, in what Christ has done. So, when Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty strong words, but it's true, right? It's true because there's no other way to God. There's no other religion. There's, 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 it's not like, well, all, all roads lead to Rome, thought. And that, let me tell you, that's what I mentioned Wednesday, that, that Christians are drifting from that, from, from thinking Jesus is the only way, to, oh, no, other, you can get to God through other religions. But we have to know that the gospel is true and is the truth, and we've got to stick to that we got to stick to John 3.16, right? It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That God loved us so much that he sent his Son that whoever believes, the word in the Greek means like embrace, totally give to, yeah, totally surrender to, believing in that fact that who Jesus is and what he's done that we're not going to perish, we're not going to suffer judgment, but we will have eternal life in heaven. That's our future. You see, these words are not just words of religion, but understand, this is power to affect our lives. The truths that are in here, it affects our future, it affects our everyday, it it affects our well-being, our mental health. That's a big word being put out there today. Because a lot of people are suffering mentally, but the word of God can affect everything. That's why, get to know your Bible. You know when you read your Bible, when when you're studying, when you're having your devotions, um, understand the Bible is here to tell you who God is, yeah, who He is, and 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 and, and how He's the Creator, His attributes, yeah. How he loves you, his grace, but he's powerful, he's holy, he's righteous, he's just. He's a creator. He knows everything. He can be everywhere at once. The Bible tells us all those things. God is not a tree. God is not a cow, you know, like the Hindus believe. No. God is God, the creator. So understand when you're reading that it tells you who God is. And the Bible also tells you who you are, a sinner in need of salvation. It tells you you can't save yourself. If you really study the Bible, you'll see that it's not in works, nothing. You can't save yourself. But it tells you that you can be saved in Jesus Christ. And it tells you that after you're saved in Jesus, it tells you who you are now. Who you are as a new creation. So, the Bible, the gospel is true. Because that's For the powers, that's how our lives are changed. The Bible is God's truth that will absolutely help you, change you with the absolute truth. I like someone said, many books inform, but only the Bible transforms. Isn't that good? So there is power right here in this book. You want help in your life? Get into this book. You need power to live for God? Get into this book. You need strength to get up every morning and go to work and face your challenges? Get into this book. There is power in the word of God. C.H. Spurgeon once said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Isn't that good? I love that. The truth here in this book can save, transform, but you got to let it you got to get into it. you got to read it. I'll close with this. In, South, in the South African country of Zimbabwe, the leader of the Bible society there named uh, Kambarami tried really hard to give a New Testament Bible to this really stubborn man. The, when he tried to give him the Bible, this man blurted out in defiance saying, if I take this, I will only tear out a page, roll the pages, and use them to make my cigarettes and smoke them. Well, Kambarami calmly replied, Well, just promise me this, that you'll read the page before you smoke it. And so the man said, Okay, all right. He agreed. Fast forward 15 years later, the two men ran into each other at this Christian conference. This scripture-smoking man was actually now a full-time evangelist. So Kambarami was just in awe. He's like, "Whoa! What?" In shock. He's, so he asked him, well, "Well, how do you, how did this come to be? How did you become saved?" So the man explained, "Well, I smoked Matthew, and I smoked Mark, and I smoked Luke, but when I got to John 3:16, I couldn't smoke anymore, and he accepted Jesus." And he said, my life was changed from that moment on. I love that. That's the power of the enduring word. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much, God, for your word. God, it's so rich, so deep. We could keep going on. But, Lord, we thank you for how you speak to us through your word. God, we love you. We want to know you in a better way, God. Lord, I... The mission of this church is to love you and I know it's through your word. The mission of this church is, is to love one another and it's through your word. The mission of this church is to love the lost and it's through your word. And the mission of this church is to love the word. And so God, I pray for each one of us right now that you would give us that hunger for your word. That you would stir our hearts up right now to love your word, to, to cherish, cherish it to reverence it, God, because it's you, it's your word, you gave it to us, you kept it all together throughout all these centuries so that we would have it in our hands today and hear from you and be able to to be helped. So, Lord, forgive us for neglecting your word, forgive us for our neglect, our dusty Bibles, God, but, Lord, we want to pull it off the shelf now, God, we want to learn, we want to grow, And perhaps that's the reason why we're not growing. Perhaps that's the reason why we're living defeated and stressed out lives. Perhaps it's because we haven't been in the word and God. We want to make a commitment to you today, right now, to say, Lord, we want to be in your word. Let your word become everything to us. Let your word be our source of life, our food that nourishes our soul. Let your word speak to us every day specifically to challenges we face, where we are in our walk with you. May it address our fears, Lord, our, 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 our worries, God. Let it address our uh, how to stand against the enemy, the devil. Let your word just show us who you are and let the promises of your word comfort, give us hope, and encourage us. And may we see the power of the word come alive in our lives and see the miracles happen every day because we're in your word. So, Lord, I pray that you would set our hearts on your word right now by your Holy Spirit. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.